0: Well, I mean well. (laughs) It's an interesting Sunday because there are some other interesting milestones that are gonna be happening in the next few days. Um, Tomorrow, Linda and I will be married 41 years, so. Honey, why are you shaking your head? You know we're gonna, it's true. Really, you were there. I remember everything. And then on Wednesday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Linda will walk out of her insurance office for the last time. She retires on, January, on December 31st after 46 years in the insurance business and uh, will be moving to a cardboard box on Wacker Drive. And be riding bicycles everywhere, but uh, no, God is so incredibly amazing, and uh, she started work when she was 16, and uh, now she's 27, and uh, (laughs) is going to retire, so It's, uh, it's a great life. I strongly encourage Christianity, because it's the only way to run in this nightmare of a world at times Amen I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 and uh, this was a year that saw my daughter and my daughter-in-law both running marathons, actually Amy ran in two marathons, my daughter-in-law she ran in, uh, down in Disneyland or Disney World, she ran a marathon there and then she ran the Chicago marathon and Erica ran the marathon here in Chicago for the first time ever, and uh, then Linda and I actually walked. Didn't do a lot of running, but we walked six um, k for World Vision for clean water for uh, uh, some children in Africa, and so I've learned a little different perspective on this passage of scripture where it says, "Let us run this race that is set before us." I want to. I want to encourage you, if you'd like to take some notes, if you'll just take your sermon note sheet in your bulletin and just simply write the word race, R-A-C-E, down the left side. Four things that I want to share with you out of this passage of Scripture. But just before we read that, how many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution and blew it? You failed. Okay, well, good. Welcome to the human race. Uh, Excuses are basically well-dressed failures, uh, excuses. And there's a lot of people that come up with excuses that gives you, re- they'll, they'll give you a reason why, well, I don't go to church because, you, know, you know, I don't know what to do and it's boring and I met a Christian that was a jerk so I'm never going to church again and, you know, you know whatever, however, whatever they fill in the blank with. But let me give you a list of people that had some valid excuses in Scripture and still and still were used by God. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. I'm so glad that's not... Yeah, we. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too short. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. And uh, And yet God used them. God used them. So don't... Get hung up on life to the point where you, you know, you start making excuses for not being able to accomplish certain things. By the time we're done this morning, I'm hoping that you'll be encouraged that if you are saved, you're in a race. If you're not saved, you need to get in this race. Because the people that are in the race are all winners, every one of them. You might say, well, you know, no, there's only one person that actually won the Chicago Marathon, one man and one woman. They had the fastest times. No, every person that crossed the finish line won. They all won. If you can run 26.2 miles, if you can walk, if you can crawl, if you can go that distance without a car, you're a winner. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you today that this is about, this is about the race. And I want to look at uh, Hebrews. Let's take a look at this. Just the first three verses of 12, chapter 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Heavenly Father, this morning I want to thank you for relationships and friendships and opportunities to, to just live life. And so God, today I pray that as we consider what it, what it costs to run this race of life, but then what are the rewards? They're incredible. So, Father, thank you for all of my fellow runners in this building today. Help us, God, to finish strong, do it well, and hear those amazing words someday. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, God, for this time together. In Christ's name we pray it. Amen. Amen. For the letter R, I want you to write down this word, this phrase, resolve to run. Resolve, make a decision. The word resolve means to come to a definitive earnest decision. This requires unwavering belief. Do you realize that there are going to be people, good moral people, that are not going to be in heaven? There's going to be bad people in heaven. Just turn to your neighbor and say, see, there's hope. (laughs) No, don't do that. Kidding. (laughs) There are going to be bad people in heaven because and good people in hell. Because it depends, it all depends on one fact. What is it that you believe about Jesus Christ? If you believe like many of the religions of the world, well, he was a great teacher, he was a good guy, you know, he was, you know, he's a historical figure, you know, whatever, then you're not going to make it. Because Christ was so much more than that. Jesus was the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's the Savior of the world. No man comes to the Father except through Christ. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter how wonderful you are. It doesn't matter how much money you give to the church. It doesn't, none of that matters. What is it that you believe about Jesus Christ? If you believe that he was hung on a cross and died a horrendous death, to make payment for your personal sin. You got it. Because God, I believe someday will ask you this very important question. Why should I let you into my heaven? And unless you have the right answer, you're in trouble. And the right answer is because I have believed and accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And I have I've done everything I could to serve him, to make him the Lord of my life. The resolve to run. The resolve to get in this race. Otherwise, you end up being a spectator for your entire life. You know what spectators get? Nothing. Nada. They get a bill. Because, yeah, every time the concession guy walks by or every time you go to the concession stand, you, you know, pop out that credit card. It's expensive to be a spectator. You know what it would cost the average person to go to a, any kind of a sporting event? $100 plus. Two, three. Take your, take your family, it's going to cost you $500. I remember taking uh, Crystal Schroeder, yeah, her son, Neil, when he was about this tall. He's in the Marines now, bless his heart, and he owes me money. But he's about to, he was about this tall. So I took him, we, we went to a White Sox game, a bunch of guys, and we talked, thought I'd take him with. And... Uh, so I said, Neil, whatever you want, you can have. Bad decision. Bad decision. I've never seen a kid eat so much in my life. Every single thing that came by, he wanted to have one. And I, but I told him, so about $150 later, he's finally satisfied. And, it's, and we're only in a third inning. But, but this... This this you know this idea of spectating is a waste of time. Get in the race. Get out of the stands. Get off, get off of your seat. Walk down, come through Christ and get on the racetrack. Get into this marathon. It's a marathon. Marathons will run, marathons cover 26 miles. They don't just run in a circle. They actually travel travel territory. And that's what life is. It's a marathon. But you have to decide to get involved. You have to make a decision. This is a decision. Nobody can do this for you. You know, you make that decision. You pick. You pick. You make the decision. Resolve to run. And do it based on what you believe, because what you believe determines how you act, and how you act determines your destiny. That's the truth. Thank you. You're gonna wake everybody up, Sharon. Just be careful. (laughs) Resolve to run. Number two, the letter A. The minute you make a decision to run, you have to accept the requirements. You have to accept the requirements. Oh, I think I forgot to tell you my message title. Getting Lean and Mean in 2015. This is my new phrase. I'm not probably going to get skinnier, but again, getting lean and mean in a spiritual sense, what that means to me, and and lean and mean is an athletic term, it's an athletic phrase that young guys and and girls use to prepare for a game, to prepare for a contest. Lean and mean means I'm going to be prepared, I'm going to sacrifice, and I'm going to make a commitment to play the hardest and the best. I'm gonna give 110% lean and mean. If we as a church would get a hold of this concept, 2015 is gonna be amazing. It's gonna be tremendously amazing. So get ready. Lean, sacrifice. Mean, commitment. Those are the two things I want you to remember this morning. Getting lean means I'm gonna be willing to sacrifice. The requirements, to accept the requirements The Hebrew writer says we have to throw off. Let's take a look at that. It says in verse uh, verse number one, the second half, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Throw it off, get rid of it. What does that mean? It means sacrifice. What is it that hinders your Christian walk, your Christian life? There's four things the devil uses to trip you up every day. And they're real simple. Fear, doubt, unbelief, and worry. If you can overcome those four things, you will be a Hercules Christian. You will be lean and mean. You will be ready to face any situation in life. Because we have a tendency to, f- to fall into these things. You know, you turn on the news, what are they giving you? Fear, doubt, unbelief, and worry. Pretty much. I don't think I've ever had a person help me preach. This is awesome. <laughs> Fear, doubt, unbelief, and worry. That's all the devil has. He has nothing else. And he will use those things multiplied every day, hundreds of different times. And if you rise up and say, hold on, shut up. God has given me the spirit of fear. I'm not being a, I, I have nothing to be afraid of. Why doubt? I have the truth. I know what I believe. I know whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know what I believe. I don't care what the religions of the world teach. When I was in college, I went through all of that. I went through every major religion as a class, as a course. I I got a degree in religious studies, and I studied all the world religions. And I discovered something very, very interesting. Not one religion offers any ray of hope except Christianity. They don't offer any hope. But Christianity, Christ, offers a tremendous sense of hope. And that's what it's all about. And if I believe that, I can shove that in the face of the enemy. I love what Carmen used to say. When the enemy reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Hello? Just do it. Sacrifice. Sacrifice is empowering. People that make sacrifices get stronger. How many of you have either been in a health club or driven by one? (laughs) It's obvious many of you have driven by them. Good. (laughs) Awesome. It's working. But you see, the people that go into the health clubs enter in there with a sense of purpose and sacrifice. They sacrifice money, time, energy, sleep, food, and you walk in there, and the people that are in there and they're sacrificing, they're sacrificing all these things. And I look around, and these people are look amazing. I should have Melanie stand and wave. She's a health club nut. Where is she? Well, she's hiding. Okay. She's probably exercising. Yeah, right. That's fine. But I look I go, I've been in there a few times just to visit. And <laughs> And I've noticed something. Every one of these people are, they're, they're agonizing. They, they look like they're in pain. Yet they're, they keep doing it. And they just keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger and more powerful. Their muscles continue to enlarge. It's unbelievable. They're sacrificing. And because of that sacrifice, they are stronger and more empowered and capable of doing even More. Why do you come to church? This is a spiritual health club. We come to church and sacrifice time and money and energy for what? To get stronger. You're not going to get stronger on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights laying in bed and thinking religious thoughts. You've got to get up. And make the sacrifice to come to church. You know, I every time when I come to church, I always leave feeling a little stronger and a little more empowered. If you're attending if you've attended a church and and you walked out of there going, ooh, I don't feel good. I feel depressed. I just don't I'm never going back to there again. Good idea. If you're, coming, if, you're to, if you're going to a church and it's not building you up spiritually, it's not strengthening you, it's not encouraging you, it's not challenging you to become a better person, find another church. Here at Christian Life, the pastors, we're committed to helping you become stronger, but we're going to ask you to do some sacrificing. We're going to ask you to come to church. We're going to ask you to put money in the offering. We're going to ask you to come out on a Wednesday night. We're going to ask you to join a small group. We're going to ask you to do things. Why do we do that? Because we're just mean people, that's why. We want to make you suffer. No. Who said that? Stop helping me. No. We we provide these opportunities for you to make you stronger. Because the enemy is going to attack you and try to get you caught up in fear, doubt, unbelief, and worry. And if you will commit yourself and connect with the local body of Christ and understand how powerful this is, God will make you stronger and God will use you to change the lives of people around you. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Accept the requirements. Understand what it means when you get on the, in, onto the race. There's some sacrifice involved. On November 1st, Lynn and I were part of this thing called 6K for Water, for World Vision. We sacrificed money, cost us each fifty bucks to suffer in this thing. We got there, it was right on the lake shore, it was right right on the lake. We were running we had, running. Ha walking on the sidewalk right along Lakeshore Drive, six K, probably approximately three miles or so. And you know, we tried to, we did a little preparation before that, just to get an idea of how far this was. And I realized this is way too far. Uh, but we sacrificed money, it cost us energy, it cost us time. It cost me a certain level of pride, because here we are with a thousand plus people at the starting line. You know, boom, gun goes off. We're all, everybody's. Good. <laughs> I'm going, ah, that ain't happening. <laughs> Oh no, that ain't happening. We're just walking. <laughs> up here it said, run, run. The rest of me said, ha! <laughs> good luck with that. But we walked. And the whole way, we, were headed, we had to head north up the lakeshore for the first half of it. And that day, God, in his amazing providence and good humor, decided to have a 30 mile an hour wind coming off the lake. What, honey, was it 10 degrees maybe? It was unbelievably cold, crazy cold. Yeah, we had winter in November, now we're in spring. We have this spring and December, crazy. But so we, we took off, and we walked, and we walked, and we pushed, and we pushed, and when you're in the midst of that, there's only one thing that comes to your mind. Quit, quit, quit. <laughs> there's donuts back at the, other, at the finish line, there's donuts. I can get there I can just cut right straight through here and go right back there no one will ever know. Oh yes they will. I will know. But we stuck with it, it took about 2 hours <laughs> just <sighs> And I'm thinking this is 6 this is 6 kilometers 3 miles. My daughter and daughter-in-law went 26.2 miles. That's not normal. That's nuts. But the sacrifice that we make and it flows into the third the third letter C commit the Hebrew writer says we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, his character, his faith his obedience, the joy power, compassion in Chronicles there's just a little verse in the midst of a very strange passage of scripture but it says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the earth looking for those who are fully committed to him Commitment. Commitment grows out of planning. I want to share something with you that we as a staff do on a regular basis. And that is every six weeks, we'll have a staff meeting and we'll set goals for the next six weeks. It's called six by six. And I want to challenge you with this. I want you forget resolutions, forget about, you know, I'm going to do these great plans. You know, yeah, if you've got resolutions like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, I'm going to write two books, I'm going to travel the world, you're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, you're not going to do that. That's a resolution destined for failure. But I want you to now, between now and the middle of February, create a list of six goals, six things. Pray about them. Ask God, God, what is it that I need to accomplish in the next six weeks? There may be some people that you need to communicate with. Email. Maybe you need to take somebody to lunch. I'll give you my phone number in a moment. (laughs) Maybe there's somebody that, there's something, there's a habit that you need to begin and again, don't, you know, I'm going to go to the gym every day. No, you're not. Don't even say that. That's ridiculous. Just go once. In six weeks, go one time. That's an accomplishment. You know? Make that phone call. If you don't, if you don't pick up, if you don't have one of those devotionals that, that we mail out, if you don't have one, grab one. And then every day, take two minutes. My wife would do this. We do this every morning at breakfast. We read. We have two devotional books. One's Guidepost, and the other one is this one from church. We read those two things every morning. It's just become a habit now. Do we miss a day once in a while? Well, yeah, but then we make up. We just make up for it. But read read that simple devotional once, every morning. Do it at night if you're a night person. Whatever. Do it for long. Who cares? But just make that, set that as a goal. For the next six weeks, I'm gonna try this. I'm I'm gonna read this devotional every day. I'm gonna make some phone calls. I'm gonna write some cards. I'm I'm gonna make some contact with people I need to contact. I'm gonna talk to maybe three or four people about coming to the Don Piper thing. Make a list. I'm gonna clean out the junk drawer in my kitchen. That may take more than six weeks, but whatever. I'm going I'm to go through my closet and I'm going to give away the clothes that I have not touched for a year. I'm going to, do I need to go on? You get the idea here? Let God, let God speak into your life. Give Him five minutes to give you six goals to achieve in the next six weeks. And then when you're done, do six more. And then go six more. We get this assignment every six weeks. We know, and then we have to share them with the rest of the staff. Now we don't, you know, well, Pastor Fred, you only accomplished four of those goals. That means you get two beatings. There's no punishment. What this does is it helps raise your level of commitment to Christ, to yourself, to your family to your boss at work to your to whoever allow god to begin to use you to intentionally grow and develop and you'll do it through commitment running in a race there was commitment to show up but there was greater commitment to finish you know it was easy to start Got my hot chocolate, had my donut. I'm ready to go. Let's make this happen. And then the gun went off. Oh, no. We have to move now. (laughs) But there was commitment. And the cool thing about it was, is that even though we had people flying past us, there was always still somebody behind us. And I was encouraged by that. Wasn't a ton of people, but there was somebody behind us. A lot of people in front of us. But Linda was right next to me. And so I was committed to making sure that I finished with her till we got to about the last 50 feet. And then I said, honey, I'll see you. And I ran because I wanted to break two hours. And I got there at 159. So, yay! But... Uh, the level of commitment was absolutely necessary. You gotta have it, you just gotta do it. And then finally the E, endure to enjoy. Like a marathon runner, the joy set before us, we endure Christ. We endure with Christ and like Christ. It's not the preparation because for my daughter, for Erica, it took her a year to prepare for the marathon. Yeah, this isn't one of those deals where you wake up in the morning and you go, oh, isn't the Chicago Marathon today? I think I'm going to go do that. (laughs) Uh, No, not hardly. It took a year of preparation. She sacrificed time. She started out. She ran a mile, then five miles, then 10 miles, then 20 miles. And every day we'd We'd contact her throughout that year. We'd say, Erica, how'd you do? Well, it's 17 miles. I I was pumped. She ran with a team that encouraged her. She ran with people that had been doing this for a long time. And that's the key. That's why you come to church. You hang out with people that have been doing this for a long time. I got saved when I was 10 years old. I've grown up in the church. I've been a Christian 52 years. That's crazy. Someday on the tour, I doubt it. Not gonna happen. But how many, uh, Lars, how long have you been saved? 115? No. <laughs> 73 years. <laughs> Lars is a marathoner. Lars is a marathoner. 73 years, 50 years. How, anybody saved 60 years? Okay? Don't make me point you out. How about do I see it? Oh. Oh, oh yeah. 72 years? What's What's what happened? What's wrong? Good for you, Norman. 72 years. How about 50 years? My club. Oh, Chris. Carla, you must have been saved like in the nursery at the hospital. <laughs> Good for you. 50, 40 years. Got some 40 years, 30, some 30 years, 20s, 20 years, awesome, 10 years, 15 minutes, (laughs) just got saved while he walked in the door here, whoa, I need to get saved, Pastor Fred scared me, I better do this. But you see, hanging out with the marathoners that know what they're doing, and have been down this road, is how you endure. Don't try to do this by yourself. That's ridiculous. You can't grow by yourself. You run with a team. You work out with with friends. You come to church with brothers and sisters in Christ, and you endure so that you can enjoy. There was no greater thrill than crossing that finish line at the end of that 6K and realizing I just did this I paid for it for a few days after that my legs were telling me if you ever do that again (laughs) we'll leave you but the joy of crossing the line, the joy of saying I did this we finished we did it You see, the opportunities to quit are multiple. The opportunity to finish is one. Make it happen. Because someday, and Don Piper will remind us again, we're going to make it, we're going to walk through the gates (laughs) to the cheers of not a crowd of people at a marathon, but to this cloud of witnesses that's talked about in Hebrews 11. To the multiplied millions that have run this thing, they stuck with it. They made it through the line. I just sang at a funeral a few days ago. This woman accepted Christ at the age of 93. I mean, talk about waiting until you're at the door. <laughs> yeah. That's close. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm reminded of a story. This elderly woman, she's like 94. Her husband of 95 had just passed away, and she's at the funeral home. And the funeral director says, "Well, well, Ethel, what are you going to do now?" She thinks, "I think I'll just sit here and wait." <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Some people are just practical that way. I don't know. But to, but it doesn't matter how close you get to the gate, or how close you are to the finish line before you cross over. Just cross over! And the fact that these two brothers have been running for 70 plus years, that's awesome. You want information? You want insight? You want wisdom? Grab these guys. Be gentle, but grab these guys and talk to them. They can give you amazing... Lars will talk He'll give you a couple years worth of missionary stories if you let him. He will share with you some amazing miracles that God has done. Why? Because he's enduring to enjoy. You endure to enjoy. As a closing story, my daughter Erica, trained, was ready, was at a nine-minute mile pace through 22 miles. Then something happened to the calf in her leg. It seized up on her, like a leg cramp, only multiplied by 50. And so she had stopped at an aid station there, and they tried to give her a little bit of comfort, try to do something, ice it, different things. Nothing seemed to be working. And so they said, well, you have two options. You can quit, and we can, you know, take you out of here, Or you can try to finish. God bless my daughter. She got up, and for 4.2 miles, she she had to go like this, trying to get there. She endured that pain for the joy of this medal that now hangs in her home that says Chicago Marathon Runner. She's got her little 26.2 sticker on the back of her car. I got to get me one of those, say six. (laughs) Six K, just to impress people. (sighs) I have no pride. But she finished, she finished. And that makes all the difference. She finished. It took several, it took weeks for that leg cramp to finally release but to know that she finished her husband was waiting for her at the finish line he literally piggybacked and carried her to the world vision tent where we were all waiting and I had the privilege of having her lean on my shoulder as together we walked through the tent to the cheers of all the other runners who had finished because she had finished. I, am, I think we're closer than we realize because we're going to be walking through the gates to the cheers of all those people, multiplied millions from every nation and every tongue, cheering. We got, we finished. We made it. We finished the race. We did it. Nobody runs without a resolve to get in the race. Nobody makes it until they accept the requirements and are willing to make the sacrifice. you got to commit to finish. But then endure to enjoy. And let it, let it be to the glory of God. Because that's, that's why we do this. To hear those amazing words someday, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's a very old chorus that goes like this. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though few go with me, still I will follow. Though few go with me, still I will follow. Though few go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. If you're running in the race, and I've shared something this morning that is ministered to your heart, and I hope I have. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing that first verse of that chorus one more time. As, a, as our resolve to keep running, our willingness to accept the requirements, our understanding that we need to commit to this thing 100%. We endure to enjoy It's going to be worth it. Oh man, is it going to be worth it? It's going to be worth it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. To follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Heavenly Father, thank you for my fellow runners. Thank you, God, that we are all in this race together. And Lord, we make a we make a vow to one another. That Father, if we see one trip or stumble, we won't run by them and judge them. We'll bend down and pick them up, put, have their arm on our shoulder, and we will run with them until they're ready to go on it again on their own. Lord, help us to encourage one another. Father, I pray if there's someone here this morning that maybe they're unsure about this race, I pray that they'll resolve today, make a determined Decision to get in this thing, to follow Christ, to believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, he did what he said he did, and he's going to do what he says he's going to do, and that is come back to get his church. So, Father, I pray that they'll believe that with all of their heart. Father, thank you, God, that we, again today, we accept the requirements. We accept the fact that we're going to have to do some sacrificing. Physically, financially, with our time, with our energy, with our talents. God, you're going to want all of it. And so we give that to you today. We make a commitment till death joins us together for eternity. And so, Father, give us, help us to look to Jesus who endured so much for the joy that was set before him. So, Father, we can endure anything for the joy that's set before us. So, Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for my brothers and sisters. Bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them. And help us, God, to be lean and mean in 2015. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 (laughs) Hallelujah.